Okay, so I'm here with Pico again, and uh, we're gonna recap the uh, Rice Champions from 2023 and uh, see if they're still the same in 2024. So let's start at women's atom weight. So Koyuki Miyazaki, she is still the atom weight champion. And last year she beat Byunbyo Kyung uh, and then two Thai women, Jumliat and Mongkut Pech. Any thoughts on that, Pico? Well, this is basically the slowest year that Koyuki has had. I mean, since she transitioned to kickboxing from karate. I mean, the two wins against Arina Kobayashi, Sayahit and Misaki all happened basically 2021-2022. And I think Rice just wanted to slow down this year, give her a few showcase wins. I mean, the victories against uh, Bo Kyung and Jumliat were her first two stoppage victories in her entire professional career. So I think Rice just wanted to take this year to, you know, build up her profile, give her some nice highlight reel knockouts and... Uh, get her ready for the next year because uh, honestly her opponents this year were very very uninspiring I mean if you compare it to last year where she beat Momoka, Arina and Misaki who were probably top 10 in the weight class 2023 was actually a very weak year yeah it's about the same uh, <clears throat> same notes that I have too <clears throat> where 2022 was a lot stronger in terms of her record and her opponents were a lot better. Um, and, you know, like you said, she got her first uh, finishes this year against somewhat unknown opponents. But it's not like she looked bad against the better ones either. So, a uh, bit of an odd choice. But I suppose that in Rice's case, uh, they, they can't do these rematches again and again. So, at some point, I guess they have to find these, uh, well, yeah, unknown opponents or most and just kind of have them fight just to get some activity yeah, but, I mean if you if you look at the woman currently in uh, the rise that way division right mm-hmm. Arina Kobayashi she already uh, fought her three times and basically ran her out of the weight class Omoka she already fought and beat then you have like Koto Hiraoka and she won't fight Koto Hiraoka they're from the same gym they're friends and I think even work at the same place yeah so um... Probably the most obvious fight for uh, Miyazaki at this point is uh, Miyu Sugawara, if they can get that going. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking too. These uh, cross-organization matchups, they seem to be the uh, the way to go here. I might have, if I'm not mistaken, I might have read somewhere or heard somewhere that... Um, um, what's her name? Uh, yeah, Kota Hiroka, like you said, uh, might be up for fighting Koyuki actually, if it's for a belt. I mean, she's she's getting old, right? So, yeah. But I might be mistaken mm. on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be pretty weird. <laughs> it would, but I mean, I mean, what else is there inside of Rice at this point? Do you think she'll ever move up? She isn't really that big, but uh, yeah, I mean, she could move up to forty-eight and still beat Sarin, I think. Right. That's also a possibility. I mean. She's already beaten her twice or three times, isn't it? I mean, it would be interesting to see her fight Akari, for example, um, just for the size difference. Yeah, that'd be a good one. But let's hope she stays at Adam weight. I think it's uh, it's healthier when they do. Then it's cool whenever a champion remains champ for a long time and, and they stay active. Kind of 
a way to get your name out there and a good legacy going. Yeah, I mean, there are basically three interesting fights for her at Mini Flyweight. And uh, again, there will be a woman there, Makana Miyazaki, she probably wouldn't want to fight, considering, again, they train at the same place, they work at the same place, so... Yeah, bit of an awkward mess. So hopefully, for her sake, they find matchups from other places in uh, 2024. Yeah, just team for foreigners. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Um, might, yeah, maybe they keep the pets in the academy thing going. That would be cool. Not yeah, I'm how sure there are plenty they, of Thai uh, women. Yeah, problem is finding the ones that are quality. Or, you know, if, if there's enough time, maybe they will develop and get better. It's always... Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. either that or the, like Europe for fighters are lower weights because, you know, uh, European fighters generally have to fight uh, weight class or two up if they're really small. So I'm sure there are at least five or six women here in Europe they could uh, find uh, for her to fight. Definitely. And if someone actually knows something like that, it'd be cool if you could just drop a comment or send a message or something. And we could look that up as well next time. Uh, next up is the uh, the women's mini flyweight. Uh, I'll sum it up here. So Erica had it in 2023, and then she lost it in her first defense to Arina Kobayashi, uh, who moved up from Adam Weight. It was a cool fight. Um, not that long ago either, actually. Well, I mean, yeah, it was uh, basically very short and uh, very violent because Erica had. I mean, she got nothing going. It was Arina walked in and just destroyed her just knocked her down and knocked her out i mean there wasn't exactly that much to talk about the fight but yeah arena generally had a very good year this year i mean she beat misaki and erica who are i mean they aren't pound for pound women but they're very close to it yeah and uh, plenty of people are mentioning her as the fighter of the year in fact uh, for women in general and uh, i have a hard time agreeing with that actually because the only reason arena is that successful this year because she spent the entire year running away from Kuyuki Miyazaki and I understand why she did that she put her three times and had zero wins out of it but it's hard to see someone as a fighter of the year when they, their entire success of the year is because another weight class, another fighter uh, ran them out of the previous weight class yeah I agree on that Different. Uh, it's difficult to say you're the best of the year when there's someone else who beat you three times who exists uh, just like a few pounds apart yeah and uh, as for her future I think the most obvious fight to make would be uh, Akar you know yeah that would make sense for everyone involved might be a bit rough one for Akari uh, I don't know this one was a little bit weird I thought I don't think Erica looked particularly bad uh until the end I feel like she got just destroyed with a lot of uh, body shots and she, she's the bigger woman right so she was trying to clinch but then yeah the body weight uh, body shots from arena and uh just literally everything outside of kicks seemed to go uh arena's way i think i had like three inches in height i believe and if you got three inches in height you probably got three inches in reach but I don't think Erica has. I think she has the boxing to really keep someone like a Arena away from her. Neither the boxing nor the footwork. Yeah, no. I do actually think that Akari would uh, do better in that regard. I mean, 
she also has the bigger height, the bigger length, but Akari is used to fighting from the outside, you know, she doesn't like to come in close and exchange. Yeah, I think this was probably, that was Erika's mistake in this one. She threw a lot of kicks, but almost no front kicks. And Arena was either checking them or just eating them and walking through it. They, well, Erika got dropped three times or twice, um, or dropped once, and then got the standing count twice, uh, both from just pocket exchanges, pretty wild flurries too. So, and there are plenty of like borderline events where they could have gotten a call for a knockdown, but didn't, you know? Yeah. Going into the second round was pretty, uh, yeah, in my opinion, could have been stopped in between the rounds. She looked pretty destroyed. Yeah, I would have just called the fight if I was her coach. Yeah. Um, and on that point, Iron Eye is fighting this weekend at Rice 175. Wang Chen Long. Yeah, I mean, that fight is also just a profile booster now. And Wang Long is. I think famous for fighting punch and then, I yeah. don't know if she appeared on Breaking Down but she seems like that type of fighter from what I've heard it might be like a social media case she has a good social media profi- profile and that's why they uh, bring her in but yeah it's a very uh, yeah, I mean this is essentially what they did to Koyuki last year right so more or less yeah but you know if uh, if she got uh if she struggled against Punch and then Arena will destroy her. <laughs> yeah. Not gonna end well for her. So yeah, next up. And, uh, I mean, aside from Makari, there's basically Moya, Kura, and uh, after that, we also have to look at uh, foreigners to bring in. But uh, there are pl- actually plenty of good foreigners at, uh, at 48 kilograms. You know, like uh, Simona Di Dio Martel, for example, or uh, Cristina Morales are two women. I'd love to see fight Arena Kobayashi. Would be cool. Uh, but they fought in K1 recently, haven't they? Or kind of recently, no? Uh, who? Well, maybe not Cristina Morales, or am I mistaken? Mm, no, Cristina Morales. Maybe with one championship at the moment. Oh, yeah, maybe, that's yeah. right. And Simona Didi Martello is a. Uh, a European fighter, basically. I don't think she fought for any major organization. Yeah, you're right. Um, one is where I uh, saw her last, Christina. And then, yeah, she fought Kana back in K1 a while back. A long time back, actually. Before she turned good. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. So if Rice can get those and keep those, um, what do you want to call it? international matchups going that's definitely a w- the way to go for women at this point uh, especially yeah, and with, considering uh, that uh, rise uh, recently started cooperating with glory to a higher extent uh, it's entirely possible that they could start bringing in the european talent at the lower levels since they got uh, those connections in europe now for sure all right let's move on to uh, women's flyweight this was kind of cool uh, a little bit weird but kind of cool nonetheless so we have tessa the Becoming champion after beating Manaso Kobayashi um, at Glory Rivals 4. So Manaso ended 2022 by fighting Tessa Lacombe in Glory. And then, uh, or maybe she's. Yeah, so she lost to Tessa in 2022 in December, if I'm not wrong. And then she still has the belt, right? Because the rice belt wasn't on the line. 
so they make the uh, the second fight, this time in Rice, and uh, Tessa to come wins one more time. I don't know. I don't have uh, a lot of things to say about that. I think it's uh, for this one. I felt like Tessa just has Manasaw's number. wasn't that close. There's yeah. Don't need to see that again, actually. I don't actually think this is a very good weight class in general. I mean, Manasa looked awful before she lost the title. Tessa looked not that great after she won the title. So I don't actually watch either. I haven't seen much of this Tessa de Com or Manasa Kobayashi just because I don't think they're that good of a fighter in general, you know? Yeah. I mean, Melty Kira got a title shot. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. Yeah. And it becomes very obvious once you see that Tessa de Com just moved up straight away to fight Sena, uh, which we can just mention now, women's bantamweight. So Sena becomes the first women's bantamweight champion after winning a tournament. At Rice 168 and 170. Yeah, I have to be honest, I completely underestimated Saina when this tournament began. I think I actually wrote an article for Beyond Kickboxing when this tournament was announced and I said something like, uh, Yuka Murakami will definitely win this tournament and Saina probably the third favorite for the title. <clears throat> because she had previously lost to Yuka Murakami and uh, before the tournament started, I think she only had like one victory out of six attempts in Rise. And yeah. she didn't look all that good in uh, Rise in general, I, I don't believe. It was a and, very, uh, um, out of nowhere uh, performance in that tournament, actually. Yeah, I mean, her first victory in the tournament wasn't against an overmatched opponent, so that wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility for her to win. But no, Yuka I... Murakami, I thought for sure, would beat her. And, uh, once I watched that fight, I uh, saw it take place, like, Lena showed boxing as she had never shown before in her professional career, you know? Yeah, I was underestimating her, even after that, I was like, okay, you know, she won, maybe everyone else had an off day, so going into the, um, into the Tessa the Com fight, I was like, yeah, she, Sena's just gonna get destroyed, no way she's winning this, um, little did I know, that the opposite was about to happen. Um, or she didn't destroy Tessa Kong. It was a very close fight. But uh, yeah, I had Sena with no chance of winning and she proved me wrong, which was pretty cool. That was an alright uh, kicker before before that Yuka Murakami fight. But like I said, her boxing looked massively improved. Like massively improved. So I don't yeah. know what she's doing in her gym, but other women should definitely look into it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, her hands look good. That's uh, pretty much my only takeaway to from the uh, from the um, Tessa fight. Like Sena's hands are starting to look good. She's and, actually uh, using them and putting some pop in them, and yeah, she can keep this up. I think she'll uh, should be able to stay champ for a, forever, basically, um, or at least until they find some. Um, yeah, either yeah, 45 with kilograms. Yeah. 55 kilograms is uh, generally a bigger weight class for women on the international stage, right? Yeah. Especially considering it's close to Glory's uh, super bantamweight. So the rise champion at, at this weight is basically the rise representative in Glory for women at least. Yeah. I don't know if rise are going to keep sending the women that way. Hasn't turned out 
well for them, but hey, it goes both ways, yeah, right? Tiffany so. Mansoft is retired now, and she was Tiffany Mansoft is retired, and Issa Maxson is out of glory, and they were the two good and hard hitting women in uh, glory. Yeah. And the best one right now in glory is like Lara Musadak, and she has one knockout in her entire professional career, so. Right, that send uh, their female representatives. They won't get hurt, at least. Yeah, maybe you're on something. Uh, now that you mention it, the Sara Musarak uh, matchup would be kind of cool if they could make that for the uh, the vacant title, which I guess it is now. I mean, their entire rankings are currently vacant in glory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then it's definitely up in the air um, and a good possibility. Would be cool. So yeah. if they're going to do something, that'd be it. That, uh, it's entirely possible that Cena becomes a glory champion as well. So let's move on to the next mess, which is men's flyweight, which um, had a lot happen this year. So started the year with uh, Toki Tomoru being champion, but he gave up the belt, relinquished it. Um, then you have this this new young guy, Tenshi Matsumoto, coming off a, uh, a tournament win. Uh, and I think a lot of people confused this tournament win for the uh for the belt but no it was just like regular tournament and probably decided the next title contender uh and they matched tenshi with riku kasushima after that tournament for the title don't know if you remember that fight pico i remember thinking that tenshi matsumoto was the big actually yeah that's what i had as well it was super cool um Especially because Tenshi beat pretty much all the top guys in that tournament outside of uh, Toki and Riku. Uh, so when he showed up here, I was like, okay, you know what? If he shows up the way he has before, he's going to win this uh, by decision. But no, uh, it was a really high-level fight. Um, <clears throat> I feel like the way Tenshi won his previous fights, where he was just kind of... Uh, Putting on the pressure and and throwing a lot of counters in the pocket just didn't work against Riku. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's basically as you said. He looked. He did look like the next champion. I mean, he beat Kuri and Momotsu Kamoto, who were the other two big talents at the weight. And uh, going into this fight, you know. I didn't have him as a massive favorite, you know, I, I, I wasn't blown out of my mind when uh, Riku Kazushima won. But I definitely had Tenshi Matsumoto picked as the next champion. And uh, yeah, it was it was a very close fight, I believe. I, I think Kazushima won by uh, like two points difference on the scorecards. Yeah. It wasn't a massive difference, but uh, it was a really good performance from him. And, yeah, uh, he definitely doesn't have to worry about uh, Toki Tamaru anymore because he moved up. So, yeah, so the role is his oyster at this point. This is going to be a cool division from now on with a lot of the young guys. And uh, yeah, and Riku looked amazing this fight. I thought the way he was just, I don't, I haven't seen him use his lead type like that before, but he was just throwing uh, like lead uppercuts, jabs, front kicks, and checking a lot of kicks. He, like, he looked like a technical machine in this fight. So if he can keep that up, I, I don't see anyone beating him actually at that weight now that um, Toki moved up. I don't know if you noticed, but um, Momu had an exhibition in deep this weekend, uh, or the weekend that was, where he got dropped 
Yeah, his his change has really failed him lately. Yeah, uh, I've seen him have other exhibitions before, and he just tends to go all out, which I think is it's cool for the crowd, and it's kind of respectful, I suppose, for the guys who are fighting him, because uh, this was a retirement exhibition. I think it's the second one he's done. But for a long-term point of view, I don't think it's smart to go there and, and take damage from essentially uh, a no-decision no fight, you know? But then there are plenty of Japanese fighters who go all out in exhibitions. There is, but yeah. I mean, not when you're that, that close uh, to the top, maybe not. When Taker and the Kizaiman Saiga had a, a little exhibition fight before <laughs> the Petas fight. And yeah. Takeru basically destroyed his entire hand uh, in that exhibition. Yeah, so maybe uh, exhibition fights. Maybe uh, don't do them if you're uh, if you're if you're retiring. Yeah, well, if you're retiring, I, I guess you can do it. But if you have a potential title fight coming up, then maybe don't. Because that's I mean, why even I'm... if you're retiring. Remember when uh, what's his name? When Yuki fought Tenshin Nasukawa in his retirement fight. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Ice. And Tenshin basically showed him no mercy, just like wiped him out. Yeah, if that's what you're asking for, right? So yeah, I don't think the Japanese fighters grasp the concept of exhibition fight. Yeah. But anyway, but I, yeah, I Riku versus Momo next, right? It's the only way to go in my mind. Yeah, I think Riku beating Tenshin was actually very good for the division. Because if Tenshin won, but then, you know, this opens up the way for plenty of fun fights and uh, Momo Tsukamoto, yeah, definitely the next and after Momo uh, probably either Kuryu or uh, or Tenshi rematch. Yeah. So uh, a lot of high level technical matchups there. It's gonna be fun to watch. Either that there. or uh, bring in a guy from K1, right? Yeah. That's a possibility too. I don't see it's hard to say but I don't see K1 with the chance there but yeah, it's a possibility guess we can see if there are some contenders on the next episode when we look at K1 and Crush. Um, next up in Rice, Super Flyweight with uh, Kazuki Osaki. Still the uh, Superfly champion. Oh, uh, <laughs> how yeah. do you feel about that? Well, basically, Osaki began the year by knocking out a bunch of mid-level guys. It was a, a good idea from Rice, you know, give him a pair of, uh, well, more than a pair of uh, highlight real knockouts. They weren't bad fighters that he knocked out. They were like mid-level guys. Not great, not awful, but okay. And uh, he basically lost all his momentum, this massive year-long spanning win streak. And he lost to Toki Tamaru in the semifinals of the Rise World Series. And uh, I don't know how you scored that fight, but I basically had it as a draw. There was that moment uh, near the end of the fight where uh, it appeared that Tamaru had uh, stumbled Osaki, but from... My point of view, from rewatching that fight, it basically seemed that Osaki got hit on the gloves, attempted to take a step backwards, and basically got caught on his own legs and just tumbled backwards on his own. But I, from what I saw, I believe that fight was a, a draw. I mean, I don't know how you scored it. Yeah, I had Toki with the win, um, but like you said, it was close. I, I think, like my counter argument, that would be if if the other guy is pushing around by hitting your gloves and making you stumble, then you know you're you're losing, in my opinion. 
play on the biggest Kazuko Saki fan around. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, other than that, it was a great year for him. He got some cool finishes, won the ISK belt. Uh, then they tied him up in the tournament, and the super flyweight belt was kind of just has been frozen in time ever since. Uh, I think he is scheduled, or maybe not officially scheduled yet, but if he doesn't fight Mondokor or Jin, I will be surprised. Seems like the uh, next move. I believe that uh, Jin Mandokor won a title eliminator, so he for sure is getting a title fight sometime in 2024. Yeah, that'll be but, awesome. Uh, as regards that super flyweight weight class, uh, yeah, Osaki got some cool finishes, but the biggest story of the year was definitely that uh, Arise World Series, no? Uh, yeah, the tournament. Yeah, so you had all the good guys at super flyweight basically competing there, and uh, considering that Tamaru won it, it's basically, you know, the face of the lower weight classes for Rise at the moment. Yeah, and that's, and it that's cool. Because I mean, it was a great year for Tamar in general as a super flyweight. No, just a massive turnaround considering uh, how bad he had like 220, 2021, when people were calling him washed. Yeah. And then he comes into this year, you know, with Kazane, Petsila, Osaki, Kumando, looked great against every Matosaki, and I believe he either knocked down or knocked out both Kazan and Persi like Kumando. Kazan and Osaki are yeah, Osaki pound for pound contender. Kazan probably the second best guy at the weight when he fought him and the Persil and Kumando are the be- I I'm among the best Muay Thai fighters around in Thailand right now. Considering how great he looked against all of them, as I said, he, he either knocked out or knocked down all three of those in the beat Osaki which looked amazing. And I listened to Hiroya talk about uh, Tamaru after his World Series win. And basically, according to Hiroya, when uh, Tamaru had that uh, bad streak of uh, losses and that no contest, basically his main coach, who trained him at tryhard, had left the gym at that moment. And uh, according to Hiroya, at least, he was also struggling with some uh, injuries at the moment. And I mean, considering how great he's looked since then, I mean, that's entirely possible. That, you know, he was lacking the good coaching, considering his main coach left, and that he was possibly struggling with some uh, minor injuries we weren't uh, aware of. Yeah, especially when you consider the fact that he looked amazing up until that last streak, and everyone was thinking, wow, this guy, he is the next thing. So it makes total sense when you put it that way. And um, even in this tournament, he had a bit of a rough time on his personal side because I believe he lost his mother uh, right before the finals if I'm not wrong so him yeah, winning yeah, this is just amazing just love to see it uh, yeah. don't think anyone in there is hurt anymore he won those that uh, 10 million yen yeah and I think he basically said uh, that he wants to buy a car which <laughs> I think is a smart investment you know well, I mean, yeah. you can get a good car for like seventy thousand dollars, but uh, probably shouldn't buy it, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but I I used to live in the area he lives in actually. Uh, yeah. The Trier gym was like ten minutes away from my house, so I I walked by there quite a lot. Never saw anyone though. Um, even shot them an email, but they never replied. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if buying a car is the right move. I don't know if he needs that in that area I mean, do you even need a car in tokyo <laughs> so the thing is it's it's not not tokyo um or maybe it is tokyo it's like on the border to kanagawa 
but no if if you just have a bicycle that should be more than enough but yeah maybe the guy's tired of riding a bike or doesn't want to take the train maybe it's too big too famous <laughs> yeah and uh, as for Tamaru himself in that uh, post fight interview after his world series win I believe he said he wants to move up to 55 kilograms in the future and uh, he mentioned he wanted to fight uh, Kaneko and uh, Komura so sadly no Kazuki Osaki rematch no, but, but go for it. That, I mean, but he's gonna ha- have I mean, to eat a no, lot no. to get up there. I don't think he looked that good against uh, Kaneko. I mean, Kaneko is messy for his weight class, and Tamaru is not that big for a super flyweight. And considering the size and power difference, I don't. Yeah. I don't think it will be good for Tamaru. They need to get in touch with uh, Shintaro Matsukura and ask him for his uh, supplement regime. Absolutely. I'm not implying anything there, but he is one of the bigger guys to come out of tryhard. <laughs> But yeah, uh, on the topic of the flyweights, and uh, you said like all the good ones were in the tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Except for one guy, Monokuro Jin, who was reserved for the tournament, but he also had an amazing year, uh, avenging a few losses, beating Kasane, uh, destroying Ruben Seone, which I think a lot of people didn't expect him to do. And then he just... I mean, he put away Ryu Hanaoka in what a couple of minutes yeah two minutes basically yeah and um Ryu Hanaoka is, is also up there as one of the or at least people thought he was one of the, the best ones out there at the moment because he's looked impressive but no um think, had nothing from Mandokoro this time I think that uh, people are underestimating Mandokoro because he has a very checkered record you know yeah basically a third of his fights are losses but when you look at who he lost to you know it's like Kazuki Osaki, Kazane, Ryuka, Naoka. He's, he's fighting killers and yeah, he's losing sometimes, but he's also winning a lot of those fights. Yeah, and but you know, like you they said, say um, form beats record, right? So just because you lost to those guys before, uh, if he's winning against them now, that's what matters and that's what he's been doing. So yeah, I hope he's going to have yeah, an amazing 2024. That'd be awesome. His entire 2023 was. 2023 was basically tournament fights, no? Two the reserve tournament fights and then that uh, New Warriors tournament uh, that was basically a title eliminator for uh, yeah. Kazuki Osaki. He's beating, like, so he literally beat, he avenged two losses against two top contenders. He beat one foreigner and he just put away another prospect. So yeah, couldn't really go better outside of winning a title. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the next obvious fight at this weight class would be Kazuki Osaka and Jin Mandokoro, and I believe that is scheduled sometime in 2024, but uh, we just don't know exactly when. Yeah. And considering that uh, <coughs> considering that Toki Tamaru is uh, moving up to 55 kilograms, I think Kazuki Osaki against Jin Mandokoro will basically decide uh, who's the best fighter at the weight class. Yeah, so something to look forward to. Uh, let's move on to bantamweight where there's another Osaki his brother Koki uh, so coming into 2023 we have um, Masahiko Suzuki as the uh, champion and a pretty dominant one at that um, so when Koki beat him it's actually the first time the titles changed since 2018 yeah Rai doesn't really like uh, doing title fights for Suzuki for some reason. <laughs> I, I suppose for him it's been a little bit difficult considering they have um, 
I mean, if I'm not wrong, and correct me if I am, he's been hot, like, the entire portion of Rise that is now, I guess, 51.5 to 55 have been a bit all over the place. Um, and then also he has fought outside of Rice in, in K1 and had opponents that way. And I suppose they don't want to give the or put the title on the line in those fights. So it kind of makes sense that they haven't been making a ton of title matches for him. But I mean, at the beginning of this year, Suzuki basically started the year against Masashi Komura, right? Yeah. And that was right after the match when both Suzuki and Masashi Komura had, you know, Suzuki beat uh, Kaneko, Komura beat Shiro. That was basically at that moment when they faced each other a fight that would decide who was the best uh, guy at 55 kilograms. And uh, Suzuki lost that fight, I think, pretty clearly, like 30-28 and uh, one, even one even round, I believe it was. So that wasn't a terrible loss, but it was still his chance to prove that like, he's the best around. Yeah, and, especially... You know, Coming off as, like you said, beating Koniko that way was spectacular. And then he also had that extreme war with uh, Seki Uyama right after. Yeah, then he got dropped and had to basically fight back and uh, get the win. Yeah, it was an amazing fight. So if you haven't seen that, you should go back and watch that for anyone listening. Uh, and then he fought Shiro, where he also lost. And then the Kumura one, um, like you said. Just, I don't know. He, he seems to have the same problem that he's always had um just extremely hittable um and at this point in his career he kind of I, I feel like well, maybe it's the guys he's fought but the way he just eats the punches looks worse than i think it has before the problem but the problem is he doesn't have to fight that way in i mean you remember that kaneko fight yeah not at all he, he has the tools and the potential so I don't know. He just maybe it's the gym uh, or his old yeah, gym where they just kind of yeah. It's just like step on the gas, stay in the other guy's face, no matter what, and just you know land more punches and you're winning kind of style. Uh, and I think at yeah, this point, the thing, though. yeah, when he beat uh, Imad Salki, that was in August, I believe. Yeah. After that fight, he left the Yamaguchi Dojo. Supposedly, yeah, <laughs> or officially, yeah. Like a like a freelancer now. I mean, officially, his gym affiliation affiliation is uh, free. And after he left the Yamaguchi Dojo, uh, I think he first spent a bit of time at the Shinsho Juku Dojo, where uh, Sota Kimura trains. Yeah, so and, he's uh, been bouncing around quite a bit, actually. Yeah, and he also went to some boxing gym, but I don't think he mentioned what that gym was. Then he trained a bit at the uh, Ares striking gym. Uh, I remember he did uh, like the pre-fight uh, practice videos, you know, where they hit the mitts. Yeah, Monguchi and yeah. Kento too, right? At the same place. Right, Kisuke Monguchi and uh, Kento. And then the time comes for him to fight Koki Osaki and it's the Yamaguchi bros in his corner. Yep, that's when I figured to like, okay, he swapped gyms. But the same guys show up to corner him in the fights. This is not exactly... Uh, I don't think this is what he needed. He had... like For him to succeed at this point, I think he just has to swap them out entirely uh, and actually get some real coaches that, that yeah, can game plan. He has the tools. He yeah. has the tools to be like a better fighter. For and sure. I think that the smartest thing that he could have done was to stay at the Ares striking gym, you know? 
Ryan with Keisuke Monguchi. That would be a good partner, close in weight, and also a good stylistic matchup for him to train with. Because I, I think like Monguchi is probably the kind of style that he would struggle against. So just getting in hours against that would be awesome for him. I think that as he gets older, it would probably be smarter for him to shift into that uh, style he had against Kaneko, you know? Yeah. Because if he had the style similar to Monguchi, Monguchi's biggest problem is that he doesn't really carry all that much power, which isn't a problem for Suzuki. No, if he, he has. If he, just learned, uh, if he just learned when to stay out outside and wait for his moment to go in and land that power, I think Suzuki would... I don't think Suzuki's washed, you know? I don't think he's a bad fighter now. He just needs to adapt his style a bit more, and he could hang with both, you know, Komura, Kaneko, Shiro, all these guys. Yeah, and I mean, he's still hanging with them. It's not like he's getting destroyed. It's like super close competitive fights. He just gets dropped. Or in, in the case of the Koki one, he just doesn't do well enough. But it's still, it's still good and still close. And I mean, maybe he'll be more, more motivated now. I think he said before he fought Osaki that uh, Osaki would be a good uh, barometer of how good he still is. You know, yeah. especially considering he lost to the two of the big four at the weight class, you know, Kumura and Shiro. Yeah. And, so, uh, what do you think is next for uh, Suzuki then? Like, w- who do you have him against next? I think that Rise would probably, you'll probably give him like uh, an opponent on the lower end of the spectrum, you know, just to bounce back and uh, get a win back. Yeah. So, I have two but, ideas for that one actually. Um, one is Yugo Kato. Who, considering he just lost against Koki and then he beat Shohari, thought that might be a cool one. Stylistically, too, it should be a banger. Yeah, I was thinking maybe someone like uh, Yuki Kitani, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I'd, I think that's doing the other guys up there in the division a little bit of a disservice. Um, but if they want to like keep Suzuki let's say have him fight someone pretty safe yeah that'd be it but if they want to keep testing him i think yugo kato or uh, shuto sato too would be awesome yeah well the thing is that uh, rise does actually take their rankings more or less seriously right yeah and i believe that kitan is like up there in the rankings like i don't know exactly where but he's he's up there and he's one of those fighters who's good but also kind of old kind of chini wouldn't be that much of a danger to Masahiko Suzuki, you know? Like the perfect opponent for him to bounce back against, who has some credibility, you know, who has some notoriety from beating uh, Takeru. Like the perfect opponent for him. And then once he wins that, you set him up against someone like, uh, you know, Yuga Kato, Ryoga Terayama, and get him on the road back to, to, to the title. Yeah, that's yeah, it's definitely another way they can do it. But if we do it, um, I suppose if Suzuki goes that route instead and kind of fights his way up from the middle of the rankings, uh, who do you put Koki against? Do you just t- toss Shiro. him straight at the K1 guys? or? No, no. Have him fight Shiro. Okay, so when Koki Osaki won uh, the title against Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... He basically if... said that... In like in in the ring after the fight after winning the title and you know taking the picture with his brother and all that he basically said there are the top four 
at 55 kilograms at this moment. For Kaylan, that's Kaneko and Komura. For uh, Rice, that was Suzuki and Shiro. He'd like to take them all on. So he beat Suzuki. And now there's only Shiro in Rise of that big four. Shiro has that world, uh, world title. Uh, Osaki yep. has the regular title. So just how they fight each other. And there you go. Yeah, when you say it like that, it is... Uh... Yeah, it makes itself, the fight, uh, combining those titles and having them under one guy would be awesome, and it would clean up a lot of the mess that uh, is in the, uh, well, the next few divisions we'll talk about, actually. Yeah, and uh, I think that the next uh, Eldorado show is in March, right? Um, should be, yeah, March. It's something like that, and uh, the only problem is that uh, I don't believe Kokyosaki will be available to fight at the Eldorado. Yeah, so, you know, could get because messy, but that, we'll see. Uh, no, Osaki has that uh, national exam. Uh, so Osaki has been attending this acupuncture school at then like Nagoya Medical Institute or something. And he has the state exam in uh, two months, right when Eldorado is supposed to take place. Yeah, but he'll cram it. No problem for him. Acupuncture, right? How hard can it be? Uh, it's got the state exam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the uh, the World Bantamweight, which we kind of already touched on with Shiro. Um, so this was the inaugural title, and he won it in a pretty uh, pretty cool way, I would say, against Dieselike. Uh, I don't know if there's um, is there a better way to win an inaugural title than just high kick KOing someone? And it was uh, a high kick KO after you know four rounds of looking good and uh, against a credible opponent. Yeah, so I think Shiro just, he loses sometimes, but then he just comes right back and convinces me that he is king of, yeah, king of cop, really. Yeah, and uh, you know, that knockout was, uh, I mean, winning the title was right after he beat uh, Kokyosaki and Masahiko Suzuki, who were yeah. the two best guys at the weight, aside from him and Rise. For sure. Uh, and then he just, what, put in that tournament, beat Rumin Siame. Uh, unfortunately loses to Kumandoi, which, you know, no shame in that. Good fighter. I mean, there was no shame in that. He got knocked down uh, against Kumandoi. Yeah. And I don't remember Shiro ever getting dropped, and, like, he fought Tenshin Asukawa twice. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Surprised a lot. Getting people, knocked down against, uh, you know, Muay Thai fighters who aren't exactly known for their boxing or landing all that much power, it, it, it felt kind of bad. It was kind of a bad look. <laughs> It looks bad, but I don't think... I mean, Kumando is a good fighter, like... I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad fighter, but considering who Osaki has fought in the past and hasn't gotten dropped, to be knocked down by Kumando, bit bit strange, bit strange. You suppose, but he's had a lot of fights and he's up there. I mean, he's, what, 30? Not a young gun is anymore. He? Sure, yeah, I mean, don't be fooled by his uh, young-looking alien face. He is... He's not a young one. I mean, have you seen his hairline? But he does have that new haircut that kind of covers it up. That's a smart move. It's the yeah. same move I'm doing, so... I respect but that. But I believe... Uh, I believe Shiro asked uh, after that uh, December fight that he had. Basically asked Takashi Ito to book him against either Kumura or Kumando. Yeah, I mean, do it. Give him either. I'd be up for yeah, that. Yeah, I think that the, considering the titles, 
the next two fights we might likely see are either Osaki Shiro or uh, Shiro Kumandoi. Yeah. And to end this one, he, it's not like he ended the year on a loss. He came back, looked convincingly good, and just put away Boon Long in like 30 seconds, I think. Just yeah, I mean, it wasn't a horrible year. It was a pretty good year. It's, it's just that yeah. getting knocked down by Kumandoi for me was sign of the times, so to speak, you know. Yeah. Although he has like 60, no, yeah, like 670 or something like that fights. He's, uh, as I said, 30 years old, so it's, it's not something you'd want to see in an aging fighter. No, it is a bit worrisome, but I, I think the next fights will tell us about if that was just either an insane fluke or a kind of random chance of that happening or if it's an actual um, problem for him now, I guess. Okay, let's move on to featherweight. I, I, we talked about that a lot last time, um, so not much to say about that. Monguchi has cleared pretty much everyone except for Yusei and Gunji Taito, and um, maybe Toma uh, and the rest of K1, I guess. Um, but yeah, put him against K1 guys or find some foreigners. Finally. He finally got some respect from uh, Beyond Kickboxing, you know? Yeah. He's now second at the weight. Been fighting that fight for a long time, so I'm happy to see that he actually finally got that respect. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he has he had generally a great tier, you know? Like Takahito Nimi, Kyoka Wakami, Kaito Sakaguchi, all basically top five at his weight when he fought them. Yeah, so and, uh, insane. Kaito Gunji was. Kaito Gunji was ringside for the Sakaguchi fight, I mean, uh, after the Kaito fight. And yeah. He did call him out, but he, like, called him out, but didn't really call him out. He yeah. said he wanted to fight the winner of uh, Gunji and Ryusei. They did the same with Ryusei, too, where they, they've all been, like, around each other. It's weird. I don't know. I've kind of given up on that mess. I don't feel like Gunji pretends like he wants to fight these guys. Ryusei pretends like he wants to fight these guys. Uh, Mongushi is out there fighting these guys, so yeah. Yeah, but like Monguchi, Ryusei, and Gunji are calling each other out, but not really calling each other out, you know. I mean, Monguchi is down for anything, but I don't know. They're, he, I don't think he has the name power to uh, to have the promoter put these fights together. Um, as soon yeah, as they probably rather put Gunji and Ryusei up first. I think the problem with Monguchi is that. Uh, like I said, he doesn't really carry all that much power and doesn't uh, finish fights well. Yeah. And most of his fights and somehow end up being close decisions, you know? Yeah. It's not like he can show up in a fight, you know, 30-27 someone and just walk out. No, it's like 29-28 it's like or, you know, he fights Kyoka Wakami and gets a shoot point scored against him and then he has to score knockouts, uh, knockdowns to get the decision back. But at least he does it, right? He comes back and looks pretty good in those situations. Yeah, but he's not really, you know, he's not really a marketable champ. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That is true. Um, so hopefully this yeah, year they, they can make something happen with uh, either one of those guys and combine it and ha hopefully have a pretty convincing looking uh, dominant featherweight guy. Yeah, but if not uh, Gunji or Ryusei, Probably the guy I'd want to see him fight if they stay inside rise would be Haruto Yosumoto. Yeah, which is also kind of natural uh, if they're going to keep him and give him a rice or in internal rice fight. 
it's probably about time too, considering he's fought a lot of guys from... Uh, I mean, he's pretty much only fought shootboxing and, and then Nimi last year. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so Super Featherweight Championship, which is my... Uh, I guess it's my um, favorite division, uh, unashamedly, for no particular reason. But yeah, we have uh, uh, Chang Hyung Lee, still champ. Defender's title one time against Huma. Pretty weird year for him. I think uh, he had, what, two fights at 63? Where he got one knockout and open finger gloves. And then he got the rematch against Hideki for Hideki's retirement. Where he just got kicked to shreds by uh, by a southpaw. So one win, one loss at 63. And then one defense at 60. Yeah, I mean, that Hideki fight was pretty weird. Yeah, one of those retiring. I mean, that's from a storyline perspective. Yeah, that's from a storyline perspective. Why would you book your champion against a guy in his retirement fight, knowing that your champion could lose? Not only knowing that he could lose, but knowing that he'd lost before to the same guy. Uh, but yeah, I think Japan retirement respect. Although all those things just you know did Hideki a favor there, made him look awesome going out. So yeah. Yeah, and uh, like you said, two fights this year. I mean, we can basically forget about Huma Imaguchi, you know, everyone beats him. Yeah. But uh, Huma, yeah, that was that was a pretty big win for him. Yeah, and a six-rounder too. And it's the uh, it's the first time Rice used the um, open scoring system too. What was that fight? Yeah, and uh, basically all the good qualities that Ang uh, Lee has were showcased in that fight, you know. Isn't some knockout machine, but he's durable. He has stamina, and he'll keep pushing for five rounds, six rounds, as long as needed. Yeah. As opposed to Huma, uh, who basically starts great. It's hard, but as the fight goes on, he just uh, loses team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully this year we will see rematch. Uh, I think you know it was Huma's first title fight first five rounder ends up going six uh, against a pretty dominant champ I guess you could say he's not dominant considering he had lost like what a couple of fights before that but you know been champ forever has a lot of experience uh, Huma hasn't yeah he yet. lost a couple of fights before that but that was in 2019 you know right so yeah um, it's, a, it's a fun division at Rice I think now um, so this yeah, weekend like... he fights uh, Taiga Another guy who had the crazy comeback. Yeah, so that's kind of what makes 60 cool right now. I think it's a, a lot of guys who have all shown a bit difference in their form. Uh, they have periods where they look amazing, and then they have periods where you think, okay, you know, maybe this is it. But somehow they uh, they return, and uh, here we are. And it, yeah think he's uh, like dogman said Taiga at this point i think is beaten the uh the accusations of him being just done i think he's uh still back and well still here and he's back and there's something that uh luke noticed in uh, beyond kickboxing since Taiga returned to the tricard gym he's basically been undefeated hmm yeah well now that you say it it's true he returned to the gym in 2022 and in that time, he's had four wins and uh, one draw. Yeah, I mean, Trier have... So, you know, like you said, they lost um, Ryusei and his coach. 
but then they did move gyms and open a new one at a new location and um, probably solve some things with the training staff which might explain a lot of things when you have when you consider you what uh taiga toki uh, koyuki Yuki. yeah uh, and i would go as far and say uh shintaro matsukura too has been a lot of time there before uh yeah and yeah you know i did mention as regards tamaru right so his biggest problem was uh, losing the head coach yeah, maybe they got all their things together and maybe they will have another champion this weekend. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the way I, I have mean, this is yeah. Taiga is going to try to probably, I think he'll cruise away with the first two, three rounds possibly. Lee's a slow starter and Taiga is pretty, you know, technical and likes, or recently I see like, He's just playing the decision game, uh, which is fair. But I don't think he has the power or the physicality to last five entire rounds against the year, possibly six rounds even. And Tiger has always played the decision game. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's hard to keep uh, Chang Kyung Lee away from you for three rounds, and for five rounds, it's even more difficult. So I think that Tiger will probably win first round second round third round will probably be borderline and the uh, late rounds are definitely going to be chunky only and uh, i think he might even knock him down at some point so yeah yep. definitely say that lee will retain the title yeah uh and i think regardless the winner here should face either a k1 guy uh yuki kazahara because i think he's been doing great and he yeah deserves to be put into that rice picture as well or some other foreigner, because outside of these guys, uh, they really there's not anyone. I mean, there's Huma, but he still has to win, I think, a fight or two before he's back in the picture. Yeah, I mean, let's bring another guy in from uh, film boxing. Yeah, why not? All right, lightweight. So now we're getting up into some of the, uh, the odd ones. Um, start with Naoki being champion lost the belt to Kanda Kamura who then hasn't really I, I think not defended it he's just been um, scheduled to fight a couple of foreigners had one fight that ended in a weird uh, injury and then the second fight where he just knocked the shit out of some tall Moroccan guy yeah I mean he beat Noki but he basically squeaked by Naoki I mean, it was a very, very close fight. You know, it, the fight was close. The scorecards were close. But the positive thing for Nakamura in that fight was that he showed better stamina. You know, he didn't collapse immediately after the first four minutes of the fight. Yeah. And he showed some better composure under pressure, you know, when he's tired and not landing his power as much. And, I, you know, he did squeak by Naoki, but I think it was a very positive fight for him. You know, he, he showed some improvements, uh, at least mentally. Yeah, if there's and anything like to said, say on uh, that one, it's like Naoki has not looked that great um, ever since he, uh, well, since his stint in glory and then, yeah. Yeah, beating Taiju Shiratori was the worst thing to happen to him. Essentially. But yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with this division. There's not, not a lot of cool things going on. Not a lot of guys there. So yeah, maybe they do make that, you know, do the steroid matchup that he's calling for. <laughs> Well, after he beat that uh, Moroccan guy, uh, 
Akmadaku Akuda or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which was a pretty funny fight, you know. The guy was like 20 centimeters taller than him and the knockout was pretty great as well. I think it was like a right hook or something, yeah? Yeah, uh, he just put him on the ropes and then had a massive right hook or almost like an yeah, overhand and just killed the guy. Him. Yeah, I mean, it was a knockout of the year contender. Like For sure. The, he, the guy just dropped and it, it was brutal. Yeah. He but had, what um... I wanted to say that uh, after that fight, uh, Raz usually does those uh, in-ring interviews right after the, the victory, right? Yep. And he had some speech going, and I think someone from the audience basically called out uh, Yuki Yoza. And Nakamura basically replied that, uh, you know, Yoza isn't that big of a deal, he doesn't rate him, and uh, if Yoza wants to fight him, he should come to Rice to fight him. Yeah, so in his post-fight speech, he uh, he mentioned uh, Yoza and uh, Kimura. And I don't and think Patrick he... Kimura. Uh, yeah. And I, I I don't think he really put a lot of men or he didn't put a lot into um, Yosa's name. He was focused on the uh, steroid uh, steroid head. Yeah, but, yeah, and, uh, and that seemed to piss you Yosa off a little bit because he also, like you said, he was like tweeting at him, and then Khan replies like, basically, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, if you compare like Yoza and Kimura in Japan, you know the, the profiles are different, massively yeah. different. But it was cool. It was a fun. Um, it was pretty funny with Miyata even getting involved and being like, "Hey, uh, if you want that fight, maybe you should talk to your boss because he's your matchmaker, not me." In a very polite yeah, Japanese and, uh, way. The journalists uh, asked Takashito about the Kimura fight. I think after the event. And I, if I remember right, uh, Ito wasn't all that interested in the fight. I mean, the problem was that uh, Kimura is like 70 kilograms at the lowest, so it would have to be a catchweight fight. And he basically suggested that if he wants to have the steroid fight, it should be Reason who would organize it. Because he himself, you know, Rice wasn't <laughs> really that interested in it. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. There, I guess it's a little bit messy. I don't know what's next. I don't think... Rise K1 or anyone does either, I mean, but you know, there's a pretty obvious fight you could make at the weight for uh, Nakamura, and that's Sota Kimura. Yeah, if Sota is fighting this week and also um, can win somewhat convincingly, I guess so. Sota does seem to have gained some traction after being on the. I mean, first he was on the Abama Fight Club or Rise Fight Club, actually. Um, and he called out Yaman because that fight in Tiger Car was supposed to be for Yaman, but Yaman wasn't even on it. But then Yaman invited him to fight on the this time Abama like special pay per view card against um, Dark Rikto or Rikto Shirakawa from Ryzen, an MMA guy. And in that presser, um, he kind of flopped a little bit. He uh, was trying to trash talk the. Um, the now Japan top team MMA guys with Mikuru Asakura. And then Mikuru just turned around and started talking to him and he just kind of verbally curled up into a ball and just gave up, got destroyed verbally, and then he got kind of memed on. Yeah, I think that's sort of Kimura like matches the vibe of Yaman and Nakamura, you know, like that street fighter aesthetic, but... Uh... I think his problem is that he's not, he's not really that charismatic of a fighter, you know? 
He's not a bad fighter. He has something. He's, he has this aesthetic he's going for and does a lot more promoting of himself than most fighters do. He just he, he just isn't that charismatic of a fighter. Yeah, and like you said, he has this kind of character go- character going on, the Street Fighter thug. And then the one time, or like on the biggest stage of his career, he he fucks up, and instead of being known as Cerberus, the dog from hell, people are just calling him a Chihuahua, a small dog that barks loud. And then he goes and yeah. he doesn't even win, right? Because it's draw or, or knockout or draw. But it's a good look. Yeah, but, uh, but it, I mean, I it's PR, right? So. Yeah. I also wanted to give a shout-out to a fighter who I'd love to see get the title chance in uh, 2024, and uh, that's Hugh. Yeah. He's this great crossover guy from karate. He has good amateur achievements. He's undefeated. And the only problem that he actually has is that, you know, he has five victories and all five have been decisions, so... <laughs> but still, he's a, he's a young, young, really convincing-looking prospect. So, if anyone listening is actually interested in, in getting up to date on some of the um, the younger guys who were... I'd say he has a really good chance of being champ at a certain point in his career. Uh, and if you want to be ahead of the game, then yeah, go watch his fights. Yeah, erratic crossovers usually do well in the rise. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the, um, I guess, probably what's going to be the biggest um, talk of this year. Super lightweight. So there, there are two titles, right? You have the, the rise title and you have the world title. So if we start by the rise title, it was actually vac- vacant because Kosei Yamada, he retired. Um, and they haven't had anyone fight for that belt since. I mean, they made Kosei Almara fight Pech for his retirement, which I think is it's a really cool move. Uh, and I gave Yamala a good chance to win that, because he has a pretty weird style, but yeah. Pech being Pech um, won. Yeah, it's, it, it's not easy to fight Pech. Not at all. And then you have the Super Lightweight World Championship, which... Uh, Pech had, but has now gone to Chad Collins after Collins uh, put up an insane fight in Rice, uh, the World Series. Yeah, officially speaking, I mean, on the scorecard it was pretty close, but it would have been a much more comfortable win for uh, Collins if that late uh, knockdown got scored correctly. Yeah, and not only that, I think a lot of people expected... Uh, so no disrespect to Chad, but I think a lot of people expected Pech to to look a lot. Or I don't think people expected Chad to do this well against Pech, considering Pech's track record and just being an all-time great. I mean, uh, I don't know if you remember the Robin Van If you remember the Robin Van Roosmalen fight that Pech had, unfortunately, I remember both. I mean, if you compare how he looked there. Have you looked here, like night and day? Like Pech Pamarong has looked pretty bad in his last few fights. There's a noticeable fall off. Those uh, when Rusmalan fights were like the peak Pech, and yeah. since then he's looked progressively worse and worse and worse. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that can be attributed to just you know wear and tear, like age. I mean, the guy was fighting. Fighters like Prajancha and Sama when he was still a teenager, you know, like 14 years ago. 
Yeah, he's had a pretty wild and career. A long one. If you consider that uh, he's had a different training environment uh, since becoming champion, and he fought Rusman and he was still at Kiatmukau. And his recent fights, I think he's been training in his own gym in uh, Canada. Not, so sure, yeah, not sure that, about that, uh, but yeah, maybe you're right. If you consider like a different training environment, living in a different country, you know, age, wear and tear, and uh, maybe a, a lack of motivation considering a routine, his fights and victories have been recently. Yeah, I think it was like the perfect moment for uh, Collins to get the victory. Yeah, it was awesome performance, and um, it's it's a really cool and fun division at this point. Where you have, uh, you have Pech, you have Chad, you have uh, Taiju Shiratori, um, you have Kento Horaguchi, and then you mix you in. Have the Suzuki. Yeah, and then you can even mix in. Um, you know, I have to mention it, Alexis Sautron, the um, the guy who knocked out Shiratori in France. Or did he? He deserves to. Well, <laughs> he. Uh, so this is kind of funny now that you say that. He won knockout of the year on the Shiratori K- uh, KO which happened right, after yeah. the bell I thought that was pretty funny yeah I mean the Glory <clears throat> Glory did uh, announce they would call the Grand Prix with uh, Rice directly at the weight yeah 55 kilograms so and they, uh, do, they did already mention a few names of uh, the participants so Pech Pamorong uh, Jan Kaffa Abraham Vidalesh Kento Haraguchi Chad Collins and uh I believe it was Taiju Shiratori. Yeah. So that's basically six fighters, and then you have to find two more who would participate. And I think I heard they would be doing qualifying um, tournaments or fights to decide those. I don't know how or when they're doing it, but yeah, it's going to be an awesome, um, awesome tournament. Grand. I mean, it, it is scheduled to be in December of 2024, so it's literally one year away, so a lot can happen until then. But if all of these guys can stay active uh, and keep winning, it's going to be... Uh, yeah, that tournament is going to decide who's the best in the world by far. I'm basically hoping that they put Kento Karaguchi and Pech at the different sides of brackets. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, like, the cool thing about this tournament is, like, no matter the matchups, they are all going to be good. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is that Many of them have already fought each other, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, there could be plenty of interesting matchups in this tournament. And they, hopefully it will clear up a little, a bit of the mess. So my hope is that before they do the tournament, they have Chad and Kento fight each other. And I think it would be awesome for them to do that for the vacant super lightweight rice belt. Just to clear that up. Because then you have, either Chad goes into the tournament having both the world and the rice title or chad has the world title kento has the rice title and they get to do a rematch possibly in the tournament i think that's the the way to go about it i mean considering the rise and glory are cooperating now there's basically no bad matchup of the way there isn't but i mean having the actual rice belt as vacant is a bit weird they they need to solve that yeah, I mean, there wasn't really any need to make a world title at all. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of just future prospects, I think it makes sense. But yeah, Kento, I, just Kento and Chad, they have to fight. Yeah, I mean, I think that actually 
Taiju Shiratori might be like the top ranked contender for the super lightweight title. Maybe if they want to go that route. But when you say the top ranked super lightweight guy, do you know who you're talking about? Because it's a guy and his name is Yaman. He's actually number two, I believe. Yeah, and Taiju is number one. Well, Yaman is, technically speaking, a rice champion. Yeah. He won uh, won the super lightweight open finger glove belt this year. Well, there you go. We've got three champions at the weight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rice doesn't have that many good guys at this weight anyway. So if Yaman is up for it, definitely put him in the mix. I mean, I don't see him winning. I don't think anyone does. But hey, he's a big name and it would be cool. Because if he could pull yeah, off any could, upset, uh, that'd be awesome. If there's a decent prize money at the end, definitely see Yaman participating yeah and there's probably also unironically the the richest of them all I mean is Yaman even interested in kickboxing anymore don't think so after the uh, Hiramoto Ren loss at New Year's Eve I think he's uh, incredibly motivated for MMA and I saw he, he's already I, I think his next match is already uh, decided and he's uh, or at least they decided on a date they just haven't announced anything yet in uh, MMA. Yeah, Ryzen. So we lost another one. Yeah, poor one out for Yaman. But yeah, if you watch his MMA fights, they're essentially kickboxing anyway. So for now, unless they put him up against some insane grappler. A wrestler. Or wrestler. Um, yeah, so super lightweight, cool division. Uh, a lot happening this year. I think that's going to be the staple division of this year. Next up, we have the welterweight championship. I mean, you have Ryota Nakano. He's had it for a while, but he's lost, what, twice while having the belt. Not very convincing, and there's not a lot going on at welterweight. So, actually, my idea here is just make a fight between him and Yaman. Give Yaman an easy belt. Well, I mean, it's 70 kilos, but still, I mean, Yaman knocked the shit out of... Mikuru at 70, so... Well, it's not 70, right? Well, Rice Welterweight is, right? Well, is it? No, no. I think it's 67.5 and then middleweight is 70. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, you're right, because Kaito is the middleweight one at um, 70, yeah. So, even better. Even better odds for Yama. Yeah, I mean, that kind of... That kind of started the year really good, you know. That spinning backfist knockout of uh, Lee Sung-hyun. Yeah. Looked great. Then he lost to Petro Morari, who, you know, nobody knew who he, who he was when he came into into, yeah. into Rise. But uh, uh, Petro Morari is actually like an, a pretty decent fighter, you know? I mean, I don't think he... Yeah, but still, not someone you should lose to as a champion. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, Petro Morari did, uh, did fight the young Kafa. Yeah, I saw his record, but that's about it. I didn't see the fight. Did you see the knockout? No, I did not. So you should have done. A spinning back heel knockout, like straight to the dome Jeez. and just destroyed the man. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll have to watch some more Murari fights. I, I don't think I will, but yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe I should. If Murari is now like... Murari uh, is now the top-ranked contender. I mean, he should be the top-ranked contender, I believe. So... The obvious fight to make is 
Nakano Morari for the title, you know? Yeah, and I mean, the fight was close, I think. Um, wasn't like insanely competitive, but wasn't not like Nakano was getting blasted either, so. Yeah, and I mean, if not Morari, there are actually other fights for him at the weight, you know, like Ryori uh, Nai is another potential opponent for Nakano. They want to go that route, I mean... Yeah, but they fought before already, Nakano. but still... Yeah, but yeah. he lost by knockout, but he's bounced back since then, so... Yeah. In other there's words, also, there's, like, there's not there's also, like, a lot Pechi of guys Shikawa. that way, so... Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they can do whatever, I don't think anyone's gonna complain, it's... Doesn't, yeah. Once you pass uh, like 65 kilograms in Japan, it's it's not good. Yeah, uh, we can move on to middleweight then. Kaito. So coming into um, 2023, we had Lee Sung Hyun as the middleweight champ, um, and you know he had been so since 2019. But putting it like that is weird because there's a lot of inactivity there. So, but yeah, Kaido comes back. Beats him, wins the title, and now he is um, scheduled to fight uh, Pet Morakot at the 10th of February in shoot boxing. Uh, I mean, they did send Kaito to Glory, where he lost a terrible fight to Bastadi. He did also pick up an injury this year, I believe. I mean, with his with his pace of fights. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, it was a major injury. He basically broke a finger. But, uh, yeah, like you said, he's looked, he's looked great this year. Yeah, he had six fights, lost were, one yeah. against the glory champ. Uh, so, yeah, still. All his decisions victory were basically routine victories. He got he had a pair of really good knockouts against uh, Conde and uh, Masaru Glunder. Yeah, and the screw Rukawa knockout too was insane. The elbow was just yeah. super fast. But like you said, that Bestati loss was actually pretty bad. You know, it was a complete uh, shutout. Yeah. I think Bestati won basically every single round of the fight. And Kaito uh, was basically just passive, you know, st- and stuck on the outside. And that Bestati cruised to a decision. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, Bestati said in, in his post-fight interview that Kaito's best weapon in that fight was the, the low kick. And it was actually troubling him in that fight. But uh, I don't remember really Kaito like committing to it all that consistently, you know? I'd have to watch it back, but I think no matter what, just watching that fight back, I would probably not notice the low kick as well because there's not a lot of other things going on. There's like He was so tentative and inactive that fight that um, even if the low kicks were working, he didn't. He didn't do anything yeah, off I it. Think, I think he uh, landed something like 60 punches total across like 15 minutes. So yeah, that was a pretty bad fight for him. But uh, I mean, it could also serve as a motivator for him, you know? Hopefully. And he, and he is fighting team. top competition consistently. Yeah, I mean, he's basically been kind of obsessed with Bestati since then. I mean, every single time he wins a fight, like he beats Konde, he said he wants to be- fight Bestati. He beats uh, Masaru Glunder, says he wants to fight Bestati. As the fight schedule with Petmorakot, who's, I mean, that fight is in elbow rules with the clinch allowed, and Petmorakot has a good uh, middle kick, and uh, 
you can definitely you know beat him in the clinch considering it's legal to elbow to clinch yeah and even considering the dangerous fight that he has coming up he still says i want to fight bestatia <laughs> but yeah i think it's good uh he's confident he has looked incredibly convincing after the bestati fight so if he can prove himself against Petch, uh Morocco, i think yeah just toss him i mean uh, aside from bestati he's also he also said he wants to fight uh, daniel rodriguez yeah uh, i saw that yeah i mean yeah, do I mean, it put him up against the best guys out there uh but maybe don't fight six times a year uh, do some proper camps that are longer that you yeah, prepare for I these mean, guys and for god's sake find a different gym gym than the um the Yamaguchi Bros occasionally. I mean, it works for him, no? <laughs> I mean, he does have his own gym or team. Um, but I do also think he's bitten off a bit more than he can chew at times with being the owner. And then, yeah, it doesn't seem to be a big gym either. So maybe, yeah, I don't know. He's. I mean, do you think he should just to... uh, build some more muscle? If he can. Uh, but I don't think he will. He's At this point, I feel like he's seems to be one of those guys where it's just not happening i'd say the same for noiri the only guy who's going up to 70 that has actually put on weight and muscle and looked good uh in a physical sense is amporukia <laughs> which is kind of sad to say because he's the uh, least convincing of them too but he's, yeah he doesn't look good you know physically but uh... <laughs> yeah um but you need both yeah i mean kaitono is of all the fighters you mentioned today, you know, of all the rice champions, like he's definitely my favorite and the one I'm most excited for in uh, 2024, you know. Yeah. Especially considering he'll have, he'll probably have the best fights against the best opponents, you know. Like he's starting the year against Pet Morakut, who's an insanely good fighter. And then he's calling out, you know, Danny Rodriguez, Tiani Bestat. Like, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what, what he does in 2024. Yeah, it's going to be a cool year for him if everything goes as planned. Um, let's move on to light heavyweight. Um, let's not spend a lot of time on this because uh, we're also running a lot of time. But Kenton Ambara wins the light heavyweight belt in a tournament win over a uh, former death row Thai prisoner, Kong Tualai. <laughs> that's, um, that's how the belt went uh, for light heavyweight. I don't know if you have a lot to say about Kenton Ambara. I feel like we... Uh, do make a little bit fun of him every time, but but yeah. I mean, if you look at Kent and Anbar's record, you know, like nine and one in nine KOs, to think like, what an amazing fighter. Yeah, I mean, and, and he did he have will... a good year. Uh, just I mean, all you look knockouts. at his opponents. He beat Ryo Itaka, who was on like a, a six-fight losing streak, and he beat Kazuki Irita, who like yeah, undefeated, six KOs, six victories. But still, he's thirty-seven he, right? years old and didn't fight anyone. Yeah, he beat Kontulai. Who's like 35 years old, ex-con on was on death row with two prior kickboxing fights, you know. And he made Nambara go life and death with him. Like he going to like managed to knock him down in the opening round. Yeah. Man. Then he last fight of the year, he fights Victor De Koning, who's like got ten fights total. I'm not sure if they were all professional, no stoppage victories. And even De Koning managed to knock him down in opening round. Yeah, so that's the thing with Kenta. He he his record is conceivably good. But almost all those fights, he was also losing at a certain point. Yeah, basically either fighting uh, old men, ex-convicts, or, you know, or getting dropped by him. So the, the state of heavyweight, or heavy guys in Japan. 
But I so on this talk we can move on to the heavyweight because the heavyweight has been uh, vacant since 2018. Do they just give give it to Nambara? Just find some guy for him to finish. Will be Brian. Oh yeah, they should maybe not. Maybe they shouldn't find an MMA guy who is jacked. <laughs> maybe find some fat guy instead. Yeah, you touch it, maybe. Because I mean, just strap a few belts on him with his record. Yeah, why not? I mean, he is a fun fighter. He is a fun he is. fighter. He's fighter he, Obviously, it's a draw too because they keep putting him on these big cards. I mean, he's a good champion for Rice. He just isn't a good champion. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe they do put that heavyweight belt around his waist in 2024. We will see. Uh, we should do this podcast again uh, next year and see how wrong we are. Yeah, and Captain Anbar will have 18 victories, one loss in 18 knockouts. <laughs> but he'll also <laughs> have suffered 10 knockdowns. Yeah, he'll turn into Yamaguchi, brother. Yeah, would be fitting. All right, um, that wraps it up. That's all the, the Rice champions of um, current day and 2023. Uh, some changes, uh, but overall... Uh, not a lot of surprising changes, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, aside from Aina and uh, Ed Collins. Yeah. I mean, in Toki Tamar, I didn't expect him to do that good in the World Series. Uh, yeah, different. I I expected him to do well, but I don't know if I had... I, I didn't base that opinion on anything other than the fact that I like Try Hard and I like Toki. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't expect him to beat Kazuki Osaki. Yeah. But yeah, uh, let's wrap this up. I have to go in like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, and I have to go talk to my mechanic in like half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anything, uh, anything you want to say to the people, Pico? Were you happy just leaving it the way it is? Uh, I don't know. See you again in like two weeks or something. <laughs> yeah. So if Pete and I can keep this going consistently, we'll be trying to release a podcast uh, every other week or so. Uh, and the next one will be the same format, but recapping K1 and Crush. And that's it, I guess. That's it. <laughs>